So true practice. Uh, sometimes that needs practice. We uh, tend to evaluate it based on our experience, which is there's nothing wrong with evaluating basic based on your experience, but it is very difficult. It's just about impossible because it's everywhere. Most people, millions, billions of people are combining their experience, there's an experience, with their preconceptions about the experience. So when you combine what you see and you think, whatever you think you see, you're mixing that with the truth, the actual dependent origination. Pratitya Samutpada is the ancient Sanskrit word for that. If you don't see dependent origination, you might have a good life, you might have a bad life, you might have a neutral life, you might go in circles, you might just watch other people go in circles. You're probably going to suffer. And it's not a condemnation. I'm just saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. Uh, what do they say? It's free country. <laughs> Remember hollering that to the neighbor kids? I'll say whatever I want. It's a free country. Or something like that. Maybe you weren't born that long ago. So true practice, truth, it's a true practice. It's a big statement. And when it comes to the teachings of the Buddha, and when it comes to the trying to understand what 2,500 years ago, what the Buddha taught, along with the help of all of the lineage holders down through the centuries, passing on warm hand to warm hand. Warm smile to warm smile, warm frown to warm frown. On and on and on, one after another, after another, after another. Each one taking the teachings, receiving it, uh, and and uh, true practice. Without true practice, you cannot understand this teaching. You might become a great scholar. You might write three or four gigantic books, and you may sound completely erudite. That does not mean you're awake. If you think you're awake, you are not. The very nature of realization is without knowledge, without relative knowledge. You're not abandoning it, abandoning it, but you're also not grasping it as some kind of support for your understanding. Don't do it. You don't need to do that. True practice, I'll start out, I'll back up a little bit. The true teacher, commonly known as in India as the Satguru, we don't use that name because the attachments and preconceptions and ideas and judgments and everything on top of that are dense and they're not helpful. You don't have to obey anybody. I'm certainly not here to get you to obey me. Even the people that live here know that they don't have to stay here. They can go do something else. So the true teacher would point to the truth and then allow you to see it, not force you, not make you, not, not give you uh, uh, um, SAT score or tests, but not check on your knowledge. Misunderstanding works fine in the relative world, of course, the relative truth, the mundane world. It's not exactly separate from the spiritual path but it is separated in such a way that we are blind to our spiritual nature. As has been said way before I got here, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. That's pretty damn literal. 
if you think otherwise. N equals one. Go ahead. Do what you want. But if you believe your thoughts, it isn't exactly N, N equals one, one or the or the self uh, understand, understanding coming out of self uh, self centered kind of experience. It can lead to what it led to with uh, uh, the founder of the uh, the Shangri La diet, Seth Roberts. It's all about you know what was the olive oil, you know, wait an hour and then you need to eat sugar water and things. Of, you know, much of uh, what is that called? I won't even have to say the word. He died at sixty uh, on a height. His heart was enlarged, and but even saying that, we don't know the causes and conditions that arose as his heart, as his kidneys, as his gallbladder, as his whatever else is happening in the system. This is a this is a complete discrete unit. Not actually. It looks that way, and that's why we're so damn self-centered. That's why we think we are somebody who knows something. We believe our thoughts. We have an op uh, the opinion. If you have an opinion, that's a, that's a shield of ego. You hold any opinion about any anything, even if it's relatively true. I'm not talking about fire is hot. It's not an opinion. Find somebody that says, well, I don't really believe fire is hot. They say, give me your hand. Fire is hot. Earth is hard. Wind moves. Trees talk. They're talking to you all the time. Everything is talking to you. Everything is preaching the Buddha's Dharma all the time, everywhere, all the time. How can I say all the time? Time is the problem. That's a misunderstanding of what this is. If you think time moves, well, keep looking at it. How do you do that? Sit down, hold still, face the wall, wall gazing. This was taught by Bodhidharma in the fifth century when he came from uh, India to China to uh, teach the Buddha's Dharma. True practice is you sit down and you look at your mind. Anything that arises in the mind should be observed and received, not added to with your opinions, ideas, concepts, constructs, analysis. It's not that those aren't handy, but you know, uh, the, the, it's kind of a silly image, but it's the one I use. If you want to enter the spiritual path and have a true practice, then uh, don't do it with a, a group of concepts and ideas about it. Separate those out. Do that before, then practice. So you have the awareness practice and the conceptual practice. If you know anything about this place, you know anything about me, I emphasize both. And it's pretty hard to know how much of each. I leave that up to you. Here's what the form is, and then I watch you follow it or observe it or ignore it. It's always awareness. There's nothing to accomplish. If you think there is, you'll continue to go in, in circles from this, this life, lifetime to the next lifetime. Of course, there isn't any next lifetime always this lifetime. Wherever you're at, it's always this. Future and past, 
illusion. The Buddha's right here. Not me. Not that. You. You're the Buddha. You're not separate from the Buddha. Realize it. Turn within. See it. It is not a conclusion. If you start concluding, misunderstanding. You might as well shoot butterflies out of the sky. Don't conclude. So true practice is to sit down, hold still, and look at the mind. What we call the mind. Give it another name. Look at the consciousness. Look at the me feeling. Look at the I feeling. Look at whatever comes up, look at it. Don't add passion. Don't subtract regression. And don't distract yourself or look away ignorance. Just don't do it. And how do we do that? We continue to see how much we can't quite not add or not subtract. And I would say just watch that. Just if you see there's a lot of negativity arising about your thought patterns or ideas, just observe that. Don't go into some kind of double negativity, as Trungpa Rinpoche would have called it decades ago. The negativity that comes up is negative enough for your awareness. Just let that come. Let that come. Make friends. Meet everything where it's at. Sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. Everything is Buddha. As a concept, it's used as a concept. But if you realize it, it's not even exactly that. If you realize it, you will be tongue-tied, more than likely. You may be able to talk about it. You may not. But if you realize it, you can't lie. You can't lie. I'm not talking about you can't say. Uh, <laughs> it's always about awareness. It is not about not never lying again. Don't don't set up standards for yourself based on anybody. It's hard to do that. It's hard to live without reference points and guidelines and at the same time be observing them and not with a, with a fear of ego cave into just following and doing it right and making sure that everybody knows you're doing it right. But it can be done. You can actually have a true practice where you come into your meditation room or your bedroom or, or a, a monastery, a zendo or whatever you want to call it. Some place that's dedicated to that. Maybe it's just a cushion on the floor and a box with a candle on it. Doesn't matter. Sit down, hold still, and from now on, just receive. Add nothing. Pretend nothing. The only form that is to be observed there, if you're listening to me, you're going to listen to Thich Nhat Hanh, it'll be different. Perfectly valid. Much more uh, greater teacher than I am. Listen to Dalai Lama. Listen to them. Listen to somebody else. Go ahead. You got enough students already. Don't multiply. So that, it, what am I saying? I'm saying the right and wrong part is the difficult part. I'm thinking that some teachings are right and some teachings are wrong. And I'm going to do this teaching. This is what uh, Trungpa Rinpoche talked about in Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, the spiritual supermarket. Looking for the right teacher. Right teaching, the one that's really the true one. Not those crazy Zen guys, but the Tibetans. Well, not the Galogpas, but the Nyingmas. Not the Nyingmas, but the, wait a minute, isn't there, isn't there another lineage? The Kadampas, yeah. 
practice under them, or maybe the John Anglers. I've been hearing about them lately. Yeah, let's practice that. And I'm here to say that all of those are completely valid paths. I've practiced a few of them myself. I still practice them. You said um, about lies. It seems like our world is full of lies these days or so it seems. Is there a difference with someone and you say that sometimes we might have to lie? What would be the difference between someone training their mind who lies and maybe the other mundane world? Yes. Ask me again. What is the difference between someone with an awareness who lies and someone who isn't aware? Someone is aware of the lies. The other one is not aware of the lies. Can lies look like the truth? Yeah. They always do. That's how they get away with it. Because you have your truth, you have a way of, you can say it. It's a difficult area. And the other thing I would say is it's going to show up differently with each person with a particular dilemma you call your life, a particular thing that's not working right. And, you know, another another word for life is something that doesn't work quite right. As the Buddha said in uh, 2,500 years ago, he said, uh, life is suffering. He didn't say part-time. Life is suffering. The only way it's, it does something else is when you, when you ignore parts of it. That's the happiness part. Relative happiness will not last. It's painful to have that go away when you've been really delighted. What kind of happiness is there? Happiness with no reference point. There's a, another name for it, which is somewhat descriptive, but not exactly, because it's not exactly a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It's not bliss, the bliss of the Buddha's Dharma. That bliss is, for lack of a better word, neutral. Doesn't care if it's happy, doesn't care if it's sad. Not two different things. Same nerve endings. Delicate nerve endings, abraded nerve endings, still nerve endings, no matter which one of the five or six sense fields. So, so Michael. If an evaluation comes up that seems to be uh, relatively true, how, how can we approach that sort of situation. Is it approaching you? You said something comes up and, and, you, and you want to have an idea about how to approach it. I'm saying, is it approaching you? Sure. Well, you said something comes up approaching you, but can it? What? You can say, don't do anything with it. Just, observe, just look at it, just receive it. It's just like a guest coming up, bang, 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 open the door, well, come in. They approach you. You don't have to approach them. Come in. Receive. Receive everything. Give everything your attention all the time. 24, what is it, 24 8? Is that one of those? I can't, I'm not good with numbers. They all look like schmooze. You know what a schmooze? A fat pulling pin. 
good way to tell people's age. Yes. What is false practice? Um, good one. So the opposite of that false practice is with some kind of gaining idea, practicing in order to get somewhere. Now, um, when I say false, it may not be. If it's under the guidance of a, of a true teacher, then that teacher may be meeting people where they're at and, 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 and meeting them more with a stair-step level of teaching. Uh, some people are ready to, to, for this. That's it. And some people need to say, well, step here. Now do this. Now do this practice. Now do this. Now do this. Doing any graduated practice without a teacher is circular, more than likely. Have to have a teacher. It's not, a teacher is not somebody you believe in or you turn all of your uh, family jewels over to. But it's somebody that you use as a mentor or guide. You say, well, this is happening. What, what about this? Say, well, work, work, work with it this way. So that any teaching person, true teacher, uh, uh, to go back to your question about false, I think it's just uh, that if there's no way to, if you're going to use a graduated, like I'm going to do this kind of practice because this will help me uh, raise my Kundalini or this will help me, uh, um, this visualization or these mantras will help me do this and this and this, or there's just, you know, the, the Tibetans are full of that. All the lineages are full of all kinds of, of creation completion practices. I've done, I've done some of those extensively. So I talk about it out of my experience of it, not just a book I read. So I would say the false part comes from the gaining idea, using uh, a spiritual, cutting through spiritual materialism, using the spiritual path to get somewhere else. You need to get here. You're already here. So why run away from right here? And how do you do that? You emphasize the, the difficulty of being right here by sitting down, being here. All your senses are open. Hold a symmetrical posture. Look at the wall. Do a lot of it. If you lived here and didn't have a job, you'd be required to sit six and a half hours a day. Why? This is difficult. This is difficult. And uh, an hour a day might be great. You might feel better. You might feel, but it's not about how you feel. I sometimes say to students not to be mean, not to be disrespectful. I don't care how you feel. And, you know, that might have to have a conversation about that because I can't go with how you feel about stuff. Because if I do, then I'm joining in the same um, tilt of world that your life is. So that doesn't mean I won't hold your hand or hug you or tell you I love you and say, I'm so sorry you're having a hard time. I'm not buying your shit. More? What is a teacher? A true teacher, uh, which is what I referred to earlier, is someone who will talk to you and meet you where you're at and not object to your confusion, not try to correct you, but will, will uh, include your confusion along with your Buddha nature. If they, if they just see your confusion and don't see your Buddha nature, then they'll try to fix you. This is not a true teacher. This is one someone who's trying to get you to feel better. I'm not here to do that. So it's someone who will meet you where you're at because they can see where you're at. You know, it's interesting that the more you can see about what's happening with the person, the less you, the less permission you have to do anything about it. 
it's a kind of a gradual thing. And well, I could say more about that, but I have to have a question to go any deeper into that because it's like talking talking about cooking, which I'm not good at. Or math. That's the other thing that's really hard is math. Because the animals more. I wish I knew the question, but I'm not sure maybe. Anybody have a teacher question? Go ahead. I'm just wondering how to navigate that relationship when we're so ripe with projections and expectations about the relationship with a teacher. Just practice. Talk to the teacher. What should I do next? Oh, you can do this and this and this. So how much sitting are you doing? The teacher might say, and you'll say, not enough. Everybody says that. <laughs> As I do that. Or I have had people say six and a half hours a day. I said, okay, why don't you just do a little bit more sitting? <laughs> Add on another half an hour. Michael. Michael, a uh, question from online from Joshua M. While sitting, the name Shanti Deva showed up. Who is that to you? He was a great ninth century bodhisattva who wrote the the way of the Bodhisattva, and when he was talking to his crew, which are a few thousand people, he started to elevate up in the air. That's part of it. And there's uh, translations of his uh, work out there, several of them. Um, they're all pretty, well, I haven't read them all, but from what I have read, they're pretty good. The one by uh, Tamatrodron is missing the chapter nine, I think it is, which is the one on wisdom. And I think she qualified that by saying this is too difficult. Anybody remember what she she said? Something about it. We just would have taken more. Something rather. But he is a he she. I don't know what doesn't matter. Um, the great Mahayana Bodhisattva. The best way to find out more about Shanti Deva is to start by googling. <laughs> yes. Yesterday, some of us, some of your students gave Dharma talks, student mm -hmm. talks. What's the difference between when one of your students gives a talk and when you give a talk? When I give a talk, I talk, and you give a talk, I listen. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's simple. That's what comes up. Mm -hmm. Is there something else you want to know? Uh, you have us qualified by saying it's student talks and not Dharma mm -hmm. talks. Yeah, I don't want to get too uppity. <laughs> when you're actually able to give a Dharma talk, you will have no idea what you're talking about. What does that mean to be able to give a Dharma talk? Speak the truth. Speak what is what is ultimately true in a relative way, which is a lot of us have some intuition about the fundamental nature of things. But then if we try to put it into words, you know how it kind of feels like there's something on your tongue you can't quite get off. You can't really say the truth. And if you do start teaching, then you, you, if you know what you're saying, it's probably going to be a lie. I even say, I even warn you, don't believe a word I say. 
don't attach to anything. Go ahead. I guess I'm just wondering about when you say that the teacher says, presents the ultimate in a relative way. What are the students presenting in a relative way? It's just a matter of training, just like I did for a long time. So you just keep looking at it and keep practicing and you keep looking at the, at the concepts. And you practice some more and you look at the concepts and you notice how there seem to be two different things. And then, uh, and then there isn't anything, not only those two things are not separate anymore, but nothing is separate anymore. And it's so non-separate that it's, uh, can be quite disappointing and quite painful. And you realize the truth of the Buddha's teaching. Life is suffering, but there's no sufferer. When life is suffering, there's no sufferer, then, uh, you, have. Uh, entered the reality. Dharmadatu, or you'd have some kind of fancy word. You can say reality, or you can say uh, Dharmata, you know, different ways people have of talking about that. I don't know. Truth realm, a, a realm where you realize that you've been in it since you were born. You're no longer objecting to anything, nor are you agreeing with anything, nor are you ignoring. More about that. Yeah. And no, this is not always helpful or a bit speculative, but at some point we may have to give those talks and there may not be that realization there. Doesn't matter. What is what is what does matter? <clears throat> what matters is that you, you you help people. That's what matters. How do you help people when you're still unclear where That's you are? That's you can do it. You can't do it any other way. If you're clear where you're at, this is just bullshit. It's just a, it's just a condensation into a highly polished, shiny, with a little crown on top ego. I I know I just I worked so hard. I'm just, you know I can't call myself humble, but other people do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just hiring. So as as Trungpa Rinpoche said, be genuine. Don't get rid of your manure. You aren't going to be able to help others if you keep getting better. Uh, a talk I haven't gotten around to giving yet, but it shows up every now and then. I think uh, I've got to give a talk where it's don't improve. You don't have to get better. What, what do we have to get? Just we have to just be here. See this. It's important. So I just uh, responded to someone, uh, a Sokaran. This morning we were going back and forth with texts about situations there with the song up there. And um, I can't remember exactly what I said, so I might be going into a, a hollow cave of there's not much. Something like that. There, there isn't any way you can help somebody else if you've got your or you've got your manure together. You can't, you can't, don't, you don't have to do that. That's a misunderstanding of the nature of relative and absolute truth. It's a, it's a misunderstanding of Buddha nature. It's a grasping at something else. Buddha nature isn't something else. It is this with nothing extra. There isn't anything else. As it says on Unyo's Raksu that I wrote on there in 2010 when I gave her a precept, Chukai. Nothing else. Everything you see is it. Everything you, everything you see, everything you hear, everything you smell, taste, touch, think is the Buddha, not separate from the Buddha. 
the the you know, crazy, insane uh, egomaniac that was uh, here 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's not gone anywhere. Still here. I couldn't teach if I got rid of that 16-year-old kid. Still here. Not separate. You have to realize it. If you don't, if it's just somebody else's downloaded idea, then you'll just be a follower. I don't want followers. I want Buddhas. I don't want uh, devotees or whatever. I don't want that. On the other hand, if you're a monk, do what I say. If you don't want to be a monk, then go somewhere else. When I say do what I say, I'm sure if you've been around here for a while, you'll notice that uh, the, the things I tell you to do are not too bad. Jumping off roofs, never more than two stories. <laughs> climbing, climbing trees. I never ask you to climb a burning tree. I always have you climb it, come back down and set it on fire. If it's an old tree, but not one with leaves. It's just, you have to, you want to teach, you just have to be careful. You don't offend your students. <laughs> Run away. I'm not so good at that. I have had several students think, what the hell am I doing standing under this guy? They're gone. And they don't even say goodbye hardly. Just, I, 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 uh. <laughs> And they're not doing anything wrong. It's dependent origination, pratitya samutpada. That which happens here causes this over there. If this comes and this comes, that's it. Two things with no sound make sound. So interesting, but it's something we see all the time. So we just well, well yeah, well, this is this is amazing. You'll realize how amazing when your body mind drops and goes back into the elements. You'll realize you'll. What did I miss? And then, but that's okay. You'll get downloaded again. You come back into the dirt, water, fire, air, space, and consciousness for the next uh, grade level. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Oh, got to go back. Summer school, short lifetime, eight years old, and then you die of a coronary at eight years old. That's what came, came up. I don't think that can happen. I think you have to be 15 or so. I'm asking you because you know so much. <laughs> Other questions, yes. Uh, Bosker from Houston asks, Bosker. how do we know if we have met a true teacher? You won't. If you know, probably not a true teacher. How do you keep from wasting your time if you don't know? Like, Well, you know, to go right to the, the proverbial uh, head of the nail, is the, you can't waste time. There isn't any such thing. So that's, that's, that's part of this whole illusion that things go from here to there. There is no time. And it isn't, doesn't say there isn't a really strong, heavy, uh, heavy abstraction that might as well be uh, an addiction to time and space. This is happening. Now that's going to happen. What if this happens? What if that like, isn't? We're just, it's really taxing to the imagination to find out what's going to happen next, isn't it? What do you think will happen next? It's like I like uh, Lewis Carroll's uh, in the, "Through the Looking Glass." Uh, it's a it's a bad, it's a poor memory that doesn't can't remember both directions, the past and the future. Isn't it something like that? Lewis was 
who's on to it. Yes. Uh, Gil Cadeau from Minnesota asks, Yes. How does seeing others' confusion more thoroughly give less permission to interfere? So I'm going to answer that a little different. I'm going to say, first look at what you're calling interference. Sometimes people might assume or dream up that interference is giving people advice or getting in their way or telling them to do something different or saying, don't do that, that's bad for you. Might not exactly work that way. So at first I would look, before I go to the, the, the question, look at the interference part. The assumption that something is going to be interfering and not interfering. Now sometimes, uh, in my situation, sometimes I see something that conventionally probably needs to be interfered with. Uh, if you're if you're thinking in a you know a local kind of way of cause and effect in an immediate situation, but a big bigger picture of that situation, uh, if you see that, then you might not do anything at all. Other people might come along and say, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you, how did you let him, her, there get away, get away with that? Or why didn't you inter, intervene, intercede? And uh, if you have any excuse for it, then you didn't understand the situation. Because you would feel it's accused of something. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to respond to your question. Use that. Can we apply the teachings to our mundane lives without engaging in spiritual materialism? I think anytime you try to apply something, it gets too much of a, you know, it's like butter on bread, you know, it's like applying it to something. And I would say, don't do anything with it. Make your practice, your, your, your uh, mind training, sitting down, holding still, watch what moves, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, do no math at all if you can. And if you end up spontaneously doing math, adding, subtracting, dividing, judging, analyzing, then just observe that back up a quarter of an inch and just watch that. And if you start to judge the judgment, then back up another quarter of an inch. Mind training will help you work with your attention and work with your ability, you could say, to just receive what comes and not be threatened by it or, or, or be aggrandized by it. it just come and go. So that the idea there is to practice the, the forms because you're a... Um, resident of the monastery, practice the awareness forms, practice the, the, uh, the study forms, studying all these sutras, uh, all these uh, um, material that goes back thousands of years, the basis of this of the Buddha's teaching, you could say, and just let that happen on its own. Go ahead and, uh, you know, you don't have to be kind of thinking, you know, how would a Buddhist scratch their dog's head? I don't know. You're a Buddhist. How would you do it? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's kind of, and I don't mean to be mocking you. I'm not mocking you at all. I'm just saying. But sometimes we just get kind of like, how can I? We start to see the value of the teachings, especially if we see the value of the concepts. We see the value of the aware of the of the intuitive part of training the mind to see clearly, see clearly, receive, so that when the concepts do come up, they don't they don't get uh, they aren't greeted by a bunch of uh, dumb ideas and. Uh, and concepts and opinions about the nature of reality or the nature of ourselves or the nature of any damn thing. Just receive. That's why I say there's no test. 
you don't, the only thing you have to do with our, and our Sangha here is to study. You don't have to understand a damn thing. I could say, when you get up and leave, forget everything I've said. You don't have to remember anything. Don't be disrespectful to me. understand I'm ready to respond to that well that was easy if we see teachings come up in a way that seems like an explanation is there mm -hmm. anything to do with that don't, don't do anything just, just listen to the explanation you might it's like having an insight oh that's you know you might add on to it by saying aha that's addition. That's called passion. Or you might say, if it's a negative thing, you might say, there I go again. That's an addition. It's called aggression. And then uh, the other kind is kind of hard to name because it's ignorance. You just kind of turn away from it. But yes, whatever occurs, just, just watch it come and go. Everyone's mind is different. That's why uh, if you have to customize your own teaching with the help of a teacher, a mentor, or someone who, who's been doing this a long time, who has some kind of understanding about it, or they will not point to something. They don't need to control you. They need nothing from you. They don't need anything from anybody. They don't even need to live anymore. That's kind of an odd feeling. It's not actually a feeling. It's like, uh, like Trunk Rinpoche said once. It took me a while to understand that. Um, I don't remember the context. But he said, listening to me is like listening to a dead man. He wasn't saying you're dead. He was just saying, listening to me is like that. You explain that I can't. Shoto has a question. That's the guy that's with Junshu. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. He asks, is remembering what you, Sokazan, say, is that disrespecting you? No, you should remember everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> Especially showed up. Is that true practice? Depends. Keep coming. I need help. Well, I was just thinking about the Buddha, um, and they had an oral tradition because they didn't know they did. maybe how to write, and people memorized they did. what he said, as far as we know, and had it not been for that, we might not be here today. Oh, we're recording everything and doing everything. And all I'm doing is with the, the help of the Buddha, with the help of Trungpa Rinpoche, with the help of Kobanchina Roshi, and with the help of all the Sangha that I studied with over the last 45 years, which was very important, the people I studied with. Much more important than it looks like. It looks like, well, those are just other people trying to know that. The teacher, the, 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 the when you see that the sangha is a teacher, very very powerful. Yes. How has that sangha over the years helped you, helped you to teach? Because I was able to watch my own self centeredness, watch how it worked with other people, and evaluating myself relative to others, how they were doing, how I was doing. And eventually the, the understanding of, of separation became more and more clear to me. And I began to understand just through 
practicing being here, talking to people who were uh, Dharma brothers and sisters, uh, I began to understand what that actually was. And there, there is no teacher. There's just the teaching. Or if there's a teacher, then there's no teaching. So it's always, a, in order to work with relative truth, the teaching person, he, she, they, whatever you want to, whatever you want to append to that, uh, has to understand the way to work with relative truth so there's no picking and choosing. If you think you found the truth, you have not. Just a fancy lie. If you think you found falsehood, more of the same. Picking and choosing is the disease of the mind. What text did that come out of? Why do you think I'm asking you? Go ahead. Why am I asking? Okay, I'll have to tell you. Because I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember which one it's on. They all look the same. They're all vanilla. And that's true. I mean, I, I there was a there was a time when that would have been kind of embarrassing. I remember one time I uh, what's his name Nate 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 uh, Devore was was it Nate No no it wasn't Nate it was, uh, could have been Nate because he's kind of a scholar guy but it wasn't Nate it was um, Matt Willis one time I was talking about one of the schools back I don't know one of the early schools of Buddhism and and I got two of them mixed up or something like that. And, he never let me forget that. I mean, I was like not an authority anymore. So, uh, which of course I claim to be a scholar. Quite often I preface everything, but I'm not a scholar. So <laughs> don't test me. So, not, not a particularly good memory. Yes. Uh, Gyokuno has another question. She asks, how does a teacher help us to see where we are confused without interfering? just by meeting you in the confusion and, and each teacher, each teaching person, each true teacher, I guess you could say, uh, would do it in different ways that maybe I might see that and not understand it, but it would meet you where you're at. The chemistry between two people is very powerful and, and, and it actually goes beyond words and goes beyond that. And either the, either the connection is there, if the connection is there, then there's a, a situation to work with. The connection is not there then uh, a true teacher won't try to develop that. But, uh, that person who really wants, works with that in that, to use that word, uh, will meet you where you're at. And if where you're, what you're, where you're at is leaving the teacher, they'll meet you there. See ya. Nothing, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to gain. On the other hand, if one has received and is observing the Bodhisattva vow to be with all things, to save all beings, then that's what, that's what fuels your life from that point on. You, you think it's just kind of something you're doing that kind of is, you know, like joining a group of people who are studying the Buddha's teaching, but it takes over your life. Uh, takes it over in such a way that you don't, you don't make any more decisions. Is that your child? That's the smaller one. Right? <laughs> oh, that's your child. Anybody else have children? <laughs> so it, it it just takes it over, and just you you just find yourself functioning relative to if nobody shows up. You you watch Netflix. If somebody shows up, then you turn it off and you talk. If I'm in the middle of doing something, and not because I'm such a great person or like I'm I have some kind of mission to 
be a wonderful, kind, loving, whatever you call it. But if if um, um, this this comes before everything, this this kind of situation until this goes back into the elements. But wh wh who this actually is can't go back into the elements, and who you actually are it can't go. It can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. Uh, sometimes said you can't leave this room. If you think you can, then you'll continue to suffer and go in circles. And when the body mind collapses, you'll think that's you collapsing and going back into the dirt, into the water, into the fire, into the air, into the space, and into consciousness. So I'm probably wrong, but you could consider it. Yes. Uh, the title of your talk is to practice. Yes. How does practice express itself um, when we're away from our sitting practice? So sitting, then there's a the study part. And then if you live in the monastery, then there's all the forms that, that people are, if their residents are required to at least observe, they might not have to do it all the time. So we, we have, there's a lot of a lot of flexibility here with people's jobs and ways of generating a livelihood, ways of paying tuition for being here. So there's that. Then there's people that don't live here and they're kind of more on their own. They have to create their own forms, their own uh, time to sit. Time to sit. I'm going to sit. I sit every day at seven o'clock. I sit and, or maybe do some block sitting, a four hour block of sitting that we come up with to uh, help give you kind of a mini retreat every week or two. And so, and then other than that, just, uh, allow the uh, rather than try to make yourself into somebody else just be who you are just be genuine so you're talking to a, a clerk or something like that and somebody comes in and crowds in front of you get mad you don't have to be kind you, you don't have to say anything either but you should feel the emotions that come up saying and you know feel the words that kind of stack up on top of it like who the hell do you think he is you know i was here first those kind of things and we all know this it's uh, how do i know about it I, happens to me all the time. I stay out of the grocery store. <laughs> so she goes. No, actually, but I do, it comes and goes. It's, it's interesting how variable it is. Sometimes it's really kind of intense with no, I don't know who's pulling what string. And then sometimes there's just no, no irritation, no anger, no, nothing at all. And then it comes and goes. What's important about that is no solid self, discontinuous identity. There's no one claiming a problem. I'm not saying the problem doesn't come up and the emotion won't take the problem as an emotional uh, resonance. But when, when, it, when that very aspect of consciousness that's doing that, in the Yogacara tradition is called the seventh consciousness, when it tries to look for someone, it can't find anything. It's an empty house. It's a shell. There's no one, no one available. And if they find anything all at all, there's... Uh, open space, vast and open space. So be genuine, you know, you be whatever emotions come up when you're off the cushion, post meditation, don't do meditation and action. And I'm talking about as someone who is taught to do that. And I, you know, n equals one. Don't believe your thoughts. Sorry. Could you speak to the fluidity of the, the different roles you play as teacher, guide, therapist, friend, and how 
with someone looking at them in the eyes, uh, go to no reference point. Don't don't check in with anything, uh, and let let the form uh, do it for you. Don't don't necessarily. If you're asking me, then I would say don't. So that person might project onto you that you're a therapist, you're a guide, or you know, in your situation would come up quite a bit. Let them do that, but don't buy it. You're nobody. If you think you're somebody not going to be able to fundamentally help others because your ideas will get in the way of what they fundamentally need. They might just need eye contact. with You You might just need to sit in front of somebody who can actually fundamentally receive. I sometimes say the most simple, important and direct form of generosity of giving is to give everything your attention all the time, especially when somebody comes in who is suffering, no matter what the situation, give them your attention, listen to them. And in my situation, if somebody's a student of mine who's been practicing for a while, they might get a little rougher treatment. I might say, I don't care how you feel, but they would understand what I'm saying. I'm saying, don't, don't be too concerned. So you feel really bad. But if you buy into that, then we all have to join into it. And then we have to try to fix you. And then where are we then? Spiritual material is right back to trying to find the, you know, it's like, uh, it's like uh, what is the image that I've come up with not too long ago that's a little silly, but it's like trying to eat uh, eggs over easy with pliers. You know, you can't do that. You should be licking those leg eggs up. <laughs> Leave the pliers somewhere else. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not a stand-up comedian. Yes? So just to go back to um, how you were describing uh, be genuine. If you get mad, be mad. We've had a recent example of that in two locations in Texas and Ohio yeah. where someone got really mad and thought it was yeah. necessary to What's take your question. I hear you. What's your question? So how is what, when you say, go ahead and get mad, how is that different from those two men? No mind training. They actually believe their thoughts. They believe their feelings and they're locked down on their feelings and the causes and conditions. I don't know lifetimes or whatever, or the, or the, the, the way they were treated, but nobody spoke to blame for that. You, you can't single those people out and say they're to blame. It's not that there isn't a relative quality happening where, yes, you know, uh, you might say, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I think one of them's dead. Is that true? Yeah. So the one that's passed, uh, if you were to able to interact with that spirit, that spirit's probably not doing too well because of what they did. Or depends on uh, causes and conditions again. There's no way you can predict anything uh, about that. So uh, that's why I say train your mind so that whatever you do, there's as much awareness with that. Like it's just like living in a really big room. Pretty soon the walls fall off, the windows disappear, and you're, you're in an incredibly open field. And eventually even the ground goes away. And yet nothing has changed. A realization is not about being someone else. It's about resuming your original nature that you that was there before this came into these elements. As I said to myself when I was two or three years old, why did I come back here? Real early memory I had. I found out a few years ago. More about that the, the murderers. Well, it just seemed like the one drove six hundred miles to. Just intense. Act out his yeah. act, and and there, I, I just. 
it's intense rage, but it's dependently risen. I mean, it's, you know, the, our our leader is dependent on other people. Has been on that, that upbringing, and then all the other people who are confused, and the people who are, you know, I mean, I, you might as well go blame Ronald Reagan. There was a really confused person, extremely narcissistic and self-centered person, not evil, just extremely into himself and into controlling everything and trying to. Everybody since then has been acting. So I'm not saying that, you know, George Washington didn't have his problems. But so we're just doing the best we can in a relative situation to try to be as have as much equanimity and kindness towards others as we can. And things turn around. This will all go away. I mean, the world might go with it, but uh, what hasn't begun uh, can't end. So who you actually are can't be. It can't. It can't be threatened. But if you if you you think it can, then then you could turn into. That's why I say don't. If you go march on somebody, be real careful that you're not taking your own unexamined aggression into that stream because it will be start to resonate with other. We saw really nice, kind people fighting white supremacists you know, on, on the movie. I don't think that was staged. It looked pretty real. So, you know, not that they did anything wrong. They were, it was probably impossible to resist it kind of situation. So not a particular good, particularly good place to go. But then again, not wrong. If, if someone here, a student of mine said, I need to go and join this or that or the other thing. I wouldn't stop you. I don't want to talk a little bit, but I wouldn't say you're doing it wrong. So you say also that the, the anger and rage of that 16-year-old that you once were hasn't gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. But what is different? There's no one here. And it's not a, not a bragging point. There's, there's still something here, but just not real. It's not substantial. It's not solid. And so and, how does that make a difference? So I, no axe to grind, no warfare. Even if even if, if someone came and did something that upset me or made me mad uh, about something, uh, it just would, would not last long. It might it might be a few puffs of smoke. I might hit them, throw them out the window. I probably have somebody open it first. I don't want to hurt them. <clears throat> I'm being silly, but I'm just saying it's difficult to describe that because it's it's uh, you, you will start to notice that your very anger or your very uh, your very intense emotion starts to have a lot more room around it. It's kind of sneaky, but you have to train the mind. The, the experiences that are seem to be very important are not happening on the cushion. That's like saying, isn't a, doesn't a knife enjoy being sharpened? No, it would rather cut uh, radishes, you know, rather do stuff you, just to personalize it. But sitting down, what, boring. Uh, the, more bo the more you're weaning yourself away from the need for input or entertainment, the more you're able to just receive whatever arises, no matter how beige or vague or cloudy or whatever, just receive. That means that blade of prajna, the double-edged uh, double sword of prajna that cuts through self and other, that sees there is no separate being, there are no separate beings anywhere, that gets sharper and sharper and sharper. And eventually uh, it feels like grace. I claim nothing, but it feels like grace because it, it's like, I didn't even do this. There isn't anyone to even do this. So who gets credit? The Buddha. Should we give the Buddha credit? Yes, Joseph. You said earlier, don't do meditation in action. No. Could you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, just uh, 
uh, and I'm not saying that won't start to arise spontaneously, but don't do it as a project. And this is just coming out of my training and my experience over a long time. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong, but to try to be very carefully, pick things up and put things away. Uh, it's, uh, I call it, uh, well, I didn't call it anything until you asked the question, but now I would call it replacement therapy. You're trying to get better therapy by doing some particular thing. And so you're trying to have the feeling of being more aware. The feeling of being, being more, more aware is, uh, is a dual project. Actual awareness has no self, has no other, and is completely, uh, as it says in the, in the Tibetan tradition, uh, uh, crazy. Because from the point of view of ego, it makes no sense what it's doing. The ego, if there's some ego happening, then you'll, you'll judge, you'll evaluate your actions before you do them. So, but for the one who is uh, clear, awake, realized, there isn't anyone. So the actions just occur. Um, goes without saying that obviously, or maybe not so obviously, there's a there's a vow to be with all things, save all beings. So you're always putting others before yourself in some kind of way. They might not think so. They might think you're mean and cruel and stingy. So, but that would be probably an imp imputation or some kind of imp. Go ahead. Very good. Thank you. Thank you.